Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prince Podcast here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and joining me today is Mr. Big Sexy and Sax. Sir, how are you? Oh, man, doing great. Long week in court. Hilarious Friday in court, but I'm good to go. All right, man. You got to have your own, like, judge, lawyer podcast or something. Just talk about the exploits of, of being a lawyer in the legal system. Oh, there are days I hate it, but there are days it is hilarious. <laughs> All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, we have a special guest. We're keeping the ball rolling. We're trying to bring people to you today. Actually, uh, she's been on the show before. Friend of the show, I, I can say. Uh, so joining us today is Jackie Thompson. Jackie, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good. Can't, can't oh, yeah. Complain? Oh, yeah. Now. Exactly. I didn't realize uh, you were in the last time I was on, you were talking about your day in court uh court stuff so that's interesting i didn't realize that so oh i i love uh what i do there are days when i get to court and you know start uh get things started depending on the type of court it is and it could be a little tense but I, I like to keep things light but yesterday i went to go visit a judge in restraining order court which oh sounds heavy but it <laughs> wasn't it was hilarious Okay. <laughs> so, so Jackie, you were saying you just thought he was just on some criminal stuff. Like, oh, my brother's in court all the time. Like, What's like, going hey, on? <laughs> Who does Mike got on this show? <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Um, so, yes, Jackie, let, let me set this up. So, of course, Jackie was on before, and we talked about the PRN alumni event, which was a spectacular event. I will say, at least for me, I know people that I saw there met we had a fabulous time. There's a lot of great stuff going on. So let me ask you, Jackie, uh, how was the event for you? Was did it everything you guys thought it was going to be? Absolutely. I, I, it was, it was phenomenal uh, to us. We just um, really felt like it was, um, you know, healing on our end as well as I, I. It felt like I can't speak for the people that attended, but it they it seemed like a really. Uh, well-received time and um it was really great for us because we just really wanted to do it smaller really kind of create the buzz on what we're doing do it and then you know tweak it and grow for next year and just keep growing it so it was it was absolutely um what i envisioned um and uh, obviously is it going to get better and better 100%. And so we took things that we needed to do better for next year. Um, We knew what we really liked and what worked well. So it was really, it was perfect. It was what we, what we wanted. So next year is going to be crazy. So it it, it was amazing to me. And let me just say on air, like, thank you so much for letting me be a part of that. Uh, And also thank you. Like it means a lot when you go to some place that you don't live and it's like it felt like they took care of you. Like I felt like, man, it was always uh, yourself or I got to shout out Stacy who was helping you out. They always just made sure you needed to be where you were and, you know, could get me where I needed to be. And I wasn't out there by myself. So I really, you know, res- love that aspect of it because I just felt like I was with family. So I was like I was relaxed. So it was, it was great. Good. Well, we wanted to keep that relaxed feel to it uh, for everybody and really appreciate your time and effort and coming in to uh, 
uh, to moderate. And we, uh, you know, I love what you did. And um, we want to make sure that we take care of everybody. You know, everybody's important. And yeah. um, and and obviously coming from, um, you know, that camp and entertainment background uh, from Paisley and onwards, you know, you know, you learn how to take care of everybody and you want to make sure um, it's the little details that really count to make a, a larger event, you know, um, uh, experience worthy of, uh, you know, being exceptional. So we're working towards that. Obviously we, we've got work to do and, and growth, but we're really excited about it and, you know, what's going to happen in 2018. So, yeah, no, um, it was, it yeah, was excellent. It's great. It's Smooth. a lot of luck going on in there and uh, mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. So, yeah. And I, I don't want to talk, I don't want to go talk about it too much, but I was like, for me, it was like when you walk in at certain places and I'm just like, these all these like people that I've read or seen, I'm like, whoa, that's such and such standing you just standing right there. That, you know, like, let me go. <laughs> I remember when we walked when I walked into the Capri for the first time, you know, before it started, and uh me and Dave Hampton walked in and I was walking up the thing, you know, through the seats, and I'm like, That's Saint Paul, you just standing right there. I was like, Ah oh, shit, okay. Rich yeah. man. You know, and he was just so cool <laughs> and just uh, you know, so the whole thing was great, man. I I could go all day. Well, when we were sourcing out the uh, the space for, you know, the Capri was just made sense for us. It's like where his first professional, mm-hmm. um, Prince's first professional show happened. And when when I went over with Craig Rice to um, uh, check it out, I hadn't been in before. You know, I knew about it, but I hadn't been in there. And so just going in there, uh, it was just felt right to do it there. Um, it it just had that energy and then you just go up on that stage, like you said, and you're like, this is where it started. Mm -hmm. And you could just imagine what he was, he was already at in arenas at that point, you know what I mean? In his mind. Yeah, I'm sure I can't go into his mind, but I could just imagine uh, him looking at that, those seats and thinking, you know, the next step, because that's the kind of guy he was, you know? So, um, so it was pretty amazing. It was really great energy in there and they're a really cool organization. They're going to, um, be doing a $25 million, uh, renovation coming up next year. Oh wow! Uh, all, you know, the, all the back of, uh, the Capri, all that Mm -hmm. land that was there Mm -hmm. is going to be all, uh, they're going to spray ground on it. It's going to be a $25 million facility for kids in theater, arts and music programs. So, um, I know it's amazing and, and I'm so excited for them and they were so gracious uh, to let us u- utilize it. And it's such a, you know, historic spot for, for, um, Minneapolis. And, and before that, it was a, a place where everybody used to go. And, um, I was talking to Q bear on, um, you know, who's, uh, on KMOJ and he used to take Prince. Uh, they'd go and they'd go and, um, all of them would watch movies there because it was oh, a movie wow. house first. Okay. Before, or, uh, before it became a um, a, oh. a stage performance place. So, uh, so it's really cool, and we thought it fitting to start our our um, panels there and, and and grow from there. So. All right. Shout out to the Capri and, and the and listen. I've been to Minneapolis a couple times, but I never got to go to the north side and different places. That's the hood. I was like, okay, this, this is, I mean, not to say it in a bad way, but I was like, I was like, this is dope. I didn't know, I, I didn't know it was like this. And it was like, and it was a street fair. There was a fair going on right that yep. day. So there was all these different vendors and I got a chance to walk out there and just meet people and they were selling. They st- I was like, this is dope. I didn't know it was, it was like this. And this was in this location. So I understand the magnitude of a place like that 
being yeah. there. So, and, and so when you say they're going to do 25 million renovation, that's amazing. That that's going to be it so amazing. Great I'm just so excited for them. And, uh, uh, they were shut down for a while. So, and then, uh, rekindled it. So it's a, it's, it's really good to hear that. I'm excited for them. All right. Well, this time we're going to get into some Prince conversation, some Jackie journey conversation. Okay. Um, I, I've heard a little bit of, of things, but I, I see as way as it is with everybody. People's story is way bigger than you can possibly imagine. And so uh, here's what I would love to start. If you don't mind, can you tell us, Jackie, at least tell us like where you're from, though? Like, where do you hail from? Yeah, I, I grew up in Michigan um, near Ann Arbor. OK. Um, and right, you know, the University of Michigan and uh my mother had a business there for 20 years, and so I had got the both the entrepreneurial spirit from mm-hmm. my father and my mother, um, and um, so I grew up there. And um, uh, when I was in my teens, I had a band. I was in a band um, playing drums and writing, songwriting, and everything. And so we, I was wondering where I was going to head off to. You know. Um, was it going to be L.A.? Was it going to be New York? Um, uh, uh, Minneapolis perked my interest because of the music scene, and I was right at that timing age uh, where it was the height of, you know, the Minneapolis sound with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and mm-hmm. they had their um, uh, label called um, uh, Perspective at the time. And and so, um, so the band that I had in um, – uh, Ann Arbor, uh, we started cutting some demos and we sent them up to, uh, uh, flight time. Uh, and, um, wow. obviously, um, you know, you never know if you're going to, if, if your music's going to get heard or not. And so I called up to flight time. I don't even know how I, there wasn't even Google. I don't know how I got their <laughs> number, but I got it. And I called up to uh, flight time and, uh, became, uh, befriended a uh, and R person there, and I said, "I listen. I know you don't, guys don't set, um, you know, accept unsolicited material. Would you mind if I sent our demo up for you know to take a listen to?" So I did, and about a week later, she calls me back. I put a package together, branded it, popped it in the mail. It was cassette tapes back then. Yeah, mm. I'm dating myself, but yes, <laughs> uh, and um, uh, sent that off to her, and they they got back with me about a week and a half later saying that, you know, uh, Terry and Jimmy had listened to it and were, you know, um, interested in us. Um, and we were like, Oh wow. You know? And, um, so, uh, she, I, I became friends with her. They, they didn't really pull the trigger on anything, you know, and I'll make the, 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 uh, story short, didn't pull the trigger, but what happened was I came up to Minneapolis, uh, to meet her, and then um, the they were doing um, it's called the Minnesota Black Music Awards with Pete Rhodes, mm. and um, so there was a um, conference going on. So I thought I'd come up and check it out with our band. Uh, Jimmy and Terry were on the on the panel. Got to meet him, uh, Jimmy, at the time, and just fell in love with the city. And um, was thinking, hmm, maybe this might be where I want to land. And so. Um, uh, the head of A&R, she said to me, hey, I'm putting a female all-star band together. Uh, I want you to play drums for it up, up when we do it at the State Theater. Would you come up? And I said, yeah. So I drove up to Minneapolis through a snowstorm and did wow. a show at the State Theater. And I met Craig Rice uh, at mm-hmm. the time who had, you know, you, you met 
Craig during mm-hmm. the panels and everything. He was running Paisley. Um, I think he was just finishing up at that time. But I met Craig Rice. He came to the show and we became friends from that point. And I decided that that moment that I was going to move to um, Minneapolis. So I did. Um, what? What? what yeah. Just to jump in, just yeah. so we can get a timeline. What? What year was? What year was this? Do you know? It was ninety ninety one. Uh, is when I came up for to do the the I think it was around ninety one because I came I moved to Minneapolis in ninety two, oh, okay. so the year before I was doing um, uh, coming up and I did a show and I and I really liked you know Minneapolis and then decided that that so yeah it had to be around ninety one. What was the uh, name of your band? Catch twenty two. Catch twenty two. <laughs> now you got <laughs> what um, what kind of music? How many people were in the band? Yeah, it was uh, it was Minneapolis sound. Okay. Um, every, you know, Michigan, we loved uh, you know Jam and Lewis, and mm-hmm. it was kind of funk Minneapolis sound uh, a bit. Um, uh, it was a, a four piece. We had uh, I was on drums, and we had a keyboard player, uh, guitarist, and bassist, and uh, so it was a four piece. You was a funky drummer. That's <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I played. That's right. Yes. Say that. I wasn't bad. You can ask a few people around town. Yeah. But anyway, um, but I my <laughs> calling really was I I I love to play drums. I mm-hmm. would play. My dad played drums. There was always a drum set. My brothers played music, so I was always immersed in music when I was young, and um, uh, and um, I just was able to get on the set and play. Wow. Uh, watching my dad jazz, and, and my first set was a Slingerland set, and. Uh, uh, and so I listened to a lot of fusion and and jazz, and my mother loved like the um, European sound, David Bowie, and so I got a really big broad mix. But when I was young, I I started um, listening to Prince, and hmm. um, um, I couldn't go to her shows yet, <laughs> <laughs> but and my dad didn't want me to go, um, <laughs> yeah, because I was young. But uh, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and uh, I love Cameo, and I love funk, you okay. know, George Clinton and stuff. So, so we I got a big dose of Prince because of Electrifying Mojo. So, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. The, you know, I don't know if you guys know about him, but mm-hmm. he was uh, one that really kind of broke Prince in in Detroit, in Michigan, and in you know in the Midwest yeah. a lot. What, so uh, I'd hear all Prince's stuff before a lot of the rest of the of the, um, uh, you know, country, the, other, other parts of the country, yeah, in, in different states and stuff. So, so really I, cool. I, I want to ask you about Catch Twenty Two. Um, was it an all female <laughs> band or was it? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. It was. Uh, I was the only female in it so man so this so you were in a, a minneapolis sort of bass sounding yeah funk band you was on the drums Woo! <laughs> and y'all was do, y'all was done were you playing doing shows uh back home and stuff yeah yeah we did oh, we used to play all around all um um around town um and we do um the university show you know they'd have they have a i think it was called them the Michigan quad, uh, and you'd go in, you know, you, and we'd get booked, you know, we did blind pig and all these different, um, spots around town and we play. So now, um, I, I love this type of stuff. So, you know, this is why I'm asking. Cause I just think it's great. Like, uh, what was like, you guys said you did a demo, but what was, uh, if you can remember, I know you remember too. What was like your favorite song that catch 22 y'all did what was the name of it? 
um god oh my god <laughs> i'm taking you back funny. <laughs> that's gonna take me back i don't even know if i remember one of the song you we got any, some, you have any tapes actually really good i listen i crack up now because of obviously you know the time you crack up if you listen to some of the yeah. minneapolis sound stuff anyway but um it, it, we had some really um strong hooks and it was melodic um god i can't i, I you're stumping me i'm gonna have to come back on that <laughs> one all right I had to think about that. Is there any, is there any, uh, you still have like your tapes, any tapes or anything? You know, I, I you know, I, I stay in touch with a, a couple of the guys and I think they do, uh, have some tapes. It, it started, my dad had a, a 16 track half inch Tascam, oh, wow. uh, and it was just kind of collecting dust. And I was like, you know, 16, uh, 17. And I was like, dad, I want to hook this up and make it go. And so, um, and then, um, the keyboard player that was the main writer, um, I'd invite him over and we would, we, it was a studio down in our basement. So wow. we had a PV. Oh my God. If I, if I tell Dave this, he's going to die. We had a live board PV board. It wasn't even a recording board. It was a live board. So like when you turn the, uh, reverb up and, um, you, it would like, sound like that oink 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 you know that really <laughs> good reverb that's all we had we had that and a, a 16 track and um before that we were doing cassette to cassette mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay you know about that right so you do one like um you know track on cassette mm-hmm. and then you take it to the other and then you do another and you bounce it and so we were bouncing cassette to cassette, and then we learned how to use the uh, that mix. So, but it turned out, you know, turned out pretty good. Uh, actually, um, the guy, one of the guys in band, um, worked uh, with Quincy Jones, ended oh, up doing wow. some stuff at, on a Key Records, or I think it was Key Records at that, you know, after we broke up. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, there was some definite talent in there. Were 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 like so? I'd imagine like you going to Minneapolis, uh, you know, to to meet Perspective Records and Jimmy Jam and them. Were some of the other members of the group? I know that was. I mean, to me, that would be like a major thing. Were they trying to come to or like? I'm just curious, like how come? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, uh, the keyboard player came, okay. uh, and I think the bassist came for the conference. So we all went up okay. together um, to. Uh, check out the conference and just see what was going on on a musical tip up there. Mm. And, um, you know, just that, so that was cool, but I was the one that said, I'm staying, I'm coming, I'm moving back up. Okay. So wow. okay. <laughs> they didn't know it at the time, but I knew in my head I was going to do it. So. Wow. Well, well, so far we, we can see sort of the preparation, you know, getting you into this world, right? You, you mentioned the entrepreneurship from your parents, your mom had a business, your dad had the recording equipment in the basement. You're already in the band. You're studying. You playing yourself. I mean, you're playing as a musician. You are a musician. So all that sort of groundwork. And then here you are getting in contact with perspective in the Minneapolis mm-hmm. world. So that's kind of where we left off. And you meet Craig. Shout out to Craig Rice. Yes, Craig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where do you so I take us a little bit after that point you've moved to Minneapolis. Yeah. So I started um I moved up uh started playing in the female band that they had for a bit. Um and then I really though I knew how I really was feeling I wanted to get into the the management side, the business side. Mm. Um 
And it, it, it even started back when I was sending the tape, you know, the tapes off and the demos off. I mean, I'd craft a really sweet demo package and have it real. And I, and I knew I always had that ability to, you know, it really looked good. Um, and I enjoyed that part and, um, and I'm, I enjoy helping people. So I really at an early time realized that that's really kind of where I wanted to be. I mean, I love playing drums and everything, but I really wanted to, um, help musicians and artists and, Mm. and I felt I had a bit of a gift with that a little bit. Um, so I, I wanted to nurture that. So I started working with bands locally and I, um, met my, uh, uh, my friend, my girlfriend, she's a great friend of mine, um, Regina Charbonneau, and she owned um, a club called Biscuits and Blues. Um, and um, during that time, I had become friends with a lot of the band members that ended up becoming um, Prince's band uh, members. And so they became my friends uh, in town. And um, during that time, I started working with Regina, and she really helped me uh, learn how to book bands live so i was booking etta james and sugar blue and all these different bands in town she had a um, restaurant upstairs and a um a nightclub below and it was a live nightclub and she had it in um, san francisco called biscuits and blues for and so she um her husband was from minnesota so she wanted to open up one and danny uh glover was her business partner for the one in Minnesota. So she said, Jackie, will you ha- I want to teach you. I said, I want to learn. And so she took me under her wing and I learned how to book live, live show bands and, uh, and, uh, deal with contracts and understand guarantees and all those things that you need to do on, on that. So I started doing that <clears throat> and I actually started booking, um, the local musicians around town when there weren't, um, uh, the uh, national artists coming in. So I would book, um, uh, uh, Kirk Johnson's band, uh, Kaj, uh, and his, uh, band, uh, sometimes and different people. Uh, so that's kind of how it started to roll. And then, so I was really good friends with Mike Scott, who ended up be playing guitar mm-hmm. with Prince. And I also knew Morris Hayes and a bunch of others, um, you know, really great musicians and, and people. And um, so it kind of was leading towards that. And so Mike got the gig with Prince and started, you know, um, playing with uh, the MPG at the time. And then um, so I was doing bookings and, and doing my thing. Um, and I had booked Sugar Blue. Uh, down at uh, uh, Biscuits and Blues, and I, Prince came down uh, to watch the show. Um, uh, I didn't meet him at the time. I, he just, uh, you know, kind of facilitated it for you know everybody. And then um, about, I'd say about a half, maybe a few months later, it was in '96. Um, Mike Scott gives me a call and says, "There's an opening for One Eight Hundred New Funk." Um, out there to, you know, kind of run that, you know, merchandising line at Paisley. And I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, cause I'd hear all the, you know, it's, it's hard. It's like, you know, you're in for work, you know, it's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of work. And, um, I wasn't sure if it was going to be for me. And, uh, he says, are you sure? I said, well, I don't know. Let me, let me give you a call back on it. And, and so I called my mother and, asked her, what do you, what do you think? Should I, you know, I have a a job I'm already, you know, uh, working. And she's like, well, (laughs) maybe you should just go and just 
interview and check it out. Why don't you just go check it out? I said, really? She says, yeah, you should probably do that. I said, okay. (laughs) So I called Mike Scott back and I said, yeah, I want to, um, I'll, I'll interview. And, uh, and then, so I, I, you know, I started working out there and, uh, go ahead. I'm going to jump in and we're going to pick right up where you left, but I just want to hear a little bit of why, why was there sort of the hesitation? If you could go deeper into like, I mean, what did you, without, you know, airing anybody out or anything, but what, what, what did you hear that well, I, it would I just, be like? You know, I, I, I love Prince's music and I love, you know, what he was doing. And, you know, working for someone is different than listening and, 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 and respecting the music and the musicianship. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's a lot of work out there, you know, I mean, you know, it's, uh, obviously going to be, you know, if you blast and you're, you're good at what you do, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's, uh, can be stressful. And I was like, I, I wasn't sure if that's what direction I wanted to go with myself at, you know, at the time. Um, I, I was, you know, I wasn't hurting for a gig and, and wasn't sure if merchandising line was what I wanted to do. Right. But, um, but after I talked to my mother, you know, and knowing myself and how things work, uh, for me, it was just that would be the stepping stone to grow mm-hmm. with with uh, at Paisley, and so that's where I took it from. So, so I thought about it. And I didn't want to just jump into something and 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 make sure that it's going to be in the right direction that I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where um, why I I hesitated for a moment. All right, and and so you say you, you did an interview. I mean, that's interesting to me. Like, who who you didn't interview I, Prince, right? Like, who I did you didn't do an interview? This is the funny thing. Oh, okay. I didn't do an interview, so that's why I took the gig because I thought, okay, it was meant to be. So I said I'd do an interview on Monday, or he said he uh, Mike called me back and said, "Well, they'll they'll interview you on Monday," and I said, "Okay, cool." So Monday rolled around, and Mike Scott calls me back and says, "I've got the gig." Ah. Wow, nice interview. <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to be working. I called my mother and I said, well, they didn't even, you know, they didn't interview me, um, you know, but um, obviously they probably vetted before and it wasn't going to be interviewing with Prince because it was, the, you know, obviously it's the right. merchandise line. So, but um, I uh, I did that. And um, so that just kind of gave me a sign that, well, maybe I should take it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, you know, well, what, what's what's the you know worst thing can happen? So I, I decided to do it, and I um, I went out and started working with my tech because uh, she was ahead of it of okay. the one eight hundred new funk and and that that part because it was really a skeleton staff at that point. They had um, really kind of shut down Paisley for a bit, and then they were just starting back up and starting to hire people. Wow, what what was that? Uh, now, had you been to Paisley Park before? this i had uh yes i went to an event for sharon's yeah just so some you know once in a while he'd perform and do some shows late night shows and stuff so i had went to a couple of shows there what what was that first day like do you remember oh the uh for the show no no, for for the day you you started working oh working there oh man um it was really interesting i was just like i walked in and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I actually work here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was uh, kind of surreal. And, um, and then I just kind of kept, you know, low key and just went and, um, and then I, I was introduced to Maite and, uh, 
you know, shown where, what, what they wanted from me and what she wanted me to do. And, um, and then that was it. And I just started work. So was, was Maite essentially your boss or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, so what was the first sort of, you know, big project, uh, that you guys, was it the dance company thing or was that after? Yes. Oh. So I was working at, um, you know, with 800 new funk and, uh, it's, he had asked, uh, to, uh, he, he wanted Sugar Blue's number and no one knew how to get a hold of him. And Maite looked, well, when she came into the 800 New Funk, she looked, you know, kind of like, darn, you know, like, you know, and I said, what's wrong? And she says, well, we can't get in touch with Sugar Blue. and No one knows how to get in touch with Sugar Blue. And I said, oh, well, I have his number. And she looked at me like I was crazy. Well, I just booked Sugar Blue. So I had his whole number. So, you know, um, six months before that, I, I didn't ever tell her what I was really, you know, I didn't, we didn't get into detail on like my booking and what I did before we just started work, you mm. know? And so it wasn't a whole lot of detail on background of who I knew or whatever. And so she looked at me like I was out of my mind. You have like, you have sugar blues number. And I said, yeah. So I gave it to her and she went and, and then that's when I was on the radar mm. and that's where it kind of started. So a few weeks later, um, uh, you know, maybe I, I know, you know, my, my timing is some, maybe not a few weeks later, but it just started to grow into that. And then she came to me, um, and asked me if I would have the MPG dance company with her and, 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 um, put it together, um, with her. And I said, absolutely. And so I moved from the 800 new funk into doing MPG dance company and putting that all together. Wow. And so what, uh, now MPG dance company, they had, uh, what's it? Did they do a show or doing shows in, was it in L.A. Glam Slam or was that locally? No, in uh, this was, um, we actually did, it was the hardest, I'll tell you, I, and I've worked hard in my life, but this was the hardest I've ever worked in my life. We had about a month and a half to put together 20 dancers set to his music that he did. Uh, Maite was the principal dancer at the time. Um, she didn't end up doing it, but um, we had to uh, uh, work with 20 dancers from around the world. All amazing dancers. I actually still, I haven't seen as much because there's not as many music videos. Uh, but after, you know, the, the dance company um, disbanded, I would see some of the dancers and Britney Spears uh, videos and all around. They were amazing dancers, all of them. Um, and putting that together in a month and a half to two month span, not only from the production standpoint, but from booking the you know, the, the venues, the theaters. So I thought, well, you know, I know the biggest, uh, well, I'm not going to say the biggest fans, but a, a huge fan base, uh, is in Detroit. Mm. And because that's where I'm from, I know, you know, so it was like, I could start there. So, because I was ahead of booking it, all of it and ma marketing it wow. and putting production together and finding, you know, so, um, and so I, I, I booked a, a venue in, uh, Detroit. Um, and, um, we, uh, we started there, we did three shows, uh, it was short lived, but it was, they were wonderful. They, they, we pulled it together and made it happen in a really short time. It's hardest I've ever worked in my life. And whew, that's saying something, let me tell you. So, Jackie. Yeah. Was, was that the, um, I'm going to butcher this, the, uh, billboards, uh, performance with the Joffrey ballet. Was that part of that? It wasn't, uh, that was before, I think that was the start 
of of the concept of that. Um, mm. uh, and then, uh, but he went. Uh, well, actually, my team, not him, uh, went and got uh, Desmond Richardson. Uh, and he was a, a really well-known, he, he was the principal lead in the dance company for the MPG dance. Um, uh, and then Dwight Roden, a famous, um, uh, choreographer. And, uh, so, um, yeah, so that's how it started. And then she was so connected through, you know, what she had been doing before with her ballet and dancing and the, her love of her dance put an amazing cast of dancers together hip-hop proper ballet all of it set to his music it was wonderful um it was it was just really a great great show nice wow um just going back to the one 800 new funk thing mm -hmm. um so if a person back then had called that number would you be one of the people who picked up the phone absolutely <laughs> it would have been me <laughs> it would have been you. It, yeah it would have been me and then it was also my voice on the the voice uh messaging um i had to do a you know you know if we weren't in you know for the voicemail at the time and so it was so funny you should say that um my take comes in just after the sugar blue you know episode where i had that and she says she comes in one day and she says my husband wants to know if he could use your voice sample your voice from the uh, voicemail you did <laughs> And I said, uh, okay, yeah, sure. You'll, you'll have to sign a release. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. No, no problem. So he ends up uh, piping in the studio to the voicemail and records samples my voicemail wow. and puts it on face down. Really? I didn't even know. <laughs> on one of the remixes. And so it's my voice on one of those. I don't even have a copy of it. It's somewhere. It's really oh. rare. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Um, and uh, he puts it on on uh, on face down. Nice. And that was going to be a single, but then EMI folded, and so then Emancipation. You know that mm. second or third single didn't happen because of that. But I I do believe that some of that is out there because I could have sworn I've heard this. So here's a mission to the <laughs> listeners, hardcore listeners. I know y'all got a copy to get 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 that to slide that over to Jackie if you can. <laughs> uh, need to do Please that. do. I'd love yeah. to hear it. It was so funny. I was supposed to get a copy from Steve Park, but I never, you know, because he was doing, he did design. It was so funny. I was like, "Where's my copy, man?" <laughs> so, but I hadn't. I never even heard it. I just knew what I had done. But so, yeah. So, if you called up one eight hundred New Funk, you would, you know, a lot of times get get myself, and then and then it grew, and then we, you know, hired people, and then I wasn't doing that anymore. So I was, mm. you know, starting to you know, move up and do other coordinations and, and build. Logistically uh, speaking, how, how did that work? Cause I, I, I would think that, you know, people were calling all the time to order these things. Was it, did you guys have a, a staff on hand to like packing boxes or was that like outsourced to another company? No, it was, it was internal. Everything was internal okay. at that point. So he was just re-ramping. So we hired, um, uh, some staffing to, to do some of the packaging and things like that. So what was, uh, do you remember like some of the you know, items that were sort of big sellers, uh, that when you were doing it, do you remember any of them? Yeah. I mean, um, the Kama Sutra, oh, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the different music that he had, uh, 319, uh, cologne or perfume. Mm. Oof. Um, I knew that stuff. I, I, 
I, you know, I know a lot of people bought it, but I just didn't understand. It wasn't the best smelling to me personally. And, and it was like, um, but people loved it. So I was like, okay, go for it. You know, so that, uh, so the 319 and then all the, um, ear cuffs, we had the ear cuffs that he, um, wore, uh, there was the ear cuffs and all that. Those were really popular and then tees and t-shirts and things like that. So, all right. Um, so this is coming off. So this kind of time is coming at the end of the emancipation and sort of swinging into, I think it was even inside the emancipation album, sort of the announcement of like crystal ball, right. Things of that nature, which blew my head open when I saw that written in there. Cause I knew, you know, what crystal ball was. I was like, what? So Jackie, let's, let's get to the crystal ball section. Uh, (laughs) Talk, oh, talk, where would you like to start with that? <laughs> yeah, like, well, I got you know, so Crystal Ball is really cool. It's that five piece, you know. Um, I came in the middle of it, it already it's going down the train before I was there. So, they are when I came into it, there were already like all these pre orders for like a, a year because he mm-hmm. started it in '95, I think. Um, and so, um, so there was all these pre orders that were there before my time. And so I came in during the manufacturing part of it where, um, dealt with the, uh, the manufacturer. Uh, we, there was a special mold that was made for the crystal ball. Um, I could kick myself because I had the original first, uh, mold and it was my, you know, it was mine because it was just, you know, we were just testing them and I'm, I don't even know where it's at. It's like, I, I think it's probably still at Paisley or whatever, but you know, um, but, uh, we were testing different molds and, and, and making sure that, you know, what one, we, you know, he liked and wanted and it was going to make sense for, for manufacturing, you know, that. So I was in a, during that point. So, but there was already this ton of pre-orders in advance that were already done. So, um, you know, and people were still calling into order the crystal ball and mm-hmm. re- really wanted it. And so finally it was done, manufactured, and uh, we started, uh, you know, um, putting it out there. It was um, I had asked, you know, for a fulfillment company, but he really wanted to do it in house, everything internal in house, and so I got that. So we had to do it. But the process, because of that, we're not a fulfillment company, so we're not set up for, you know, a ton of um, the ability to send out a bunch at one time. It was it was a slow go process. Um, and so uh, that's where that went. And then um, so there were some definite, you know, kinks in, in the uh, in the operation as far as that's concerned. But the actual crystal ball was a really great idea. You know, we so we ended up selling about two hundred fifty thousand um, and uh, and it was direct to consumer. I think it's like one of the first times uh, artists had done that. And so actually, I think it was the first time I I don't know anybody else who had done it in that magnitude. Um, And so, you know, through the kinks and all, it's still a really cool concept and idea and innovative idea that he had. Yeah. And and it was like like 50 bucks or something like that. Uh, Yeah, it was fifty dollars. And there was a a, a CD in there called The Truth. Mm -hmm. And I think Thomas Sutra was in there. And The Truth is one of my favorite albums. Um, it was the acoustic, um, and that's where he was doing sugar blue. He wanted sugar blue for, oh. um, and, um, 
but the truth album i, I love that album you know real acoustic uh vibe to it don't play me i love mm-hmm, that track mm-hmm. um and Fr- um, and that more. so that was the special five disc and then there ended up being a four disc that went to best buy um for more of a commercial release so. Yeah. Now, were you involved or around? Cause I remember seeing an interview with Prince during this time, and and the interviewer was saying there was like all these different executives from retail were there, and I think they were talking like Best Buy and uh, Target, and it was like Prince yep. was just kind of doing a deal directly with them. Like, how many y'all want to buy? You know, how, how many copies you yep. guys want to buy? Okay. I was I was there. Oh, amazing, amazing. Were you guys aware of some of the sort of pushback from I don't know if it was pushback it was more like Where, where's my goddamn CD <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from the, I mean, from the fan the base that, that's you know. the kink <laughs> okay because I remember the, like the, going the into this and the, 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 the process of it was it wasn't flushed out fully and that was because we weren't a fulfillment company right we were Paisley Park right so it wasn't and so I had wanted to have a fulfillment company but he had opted to do it internally so being internal it's going to take a lot longer there's no it's not a big infrastructure set up for fulfillment right so it was like kind of set up as a fulfillment company you know um we did that out of um you know where the kitchen is? I don't know if you've been, you, mm-hmm. do you, yeah, you yeah. know, the Paisley and those, the new nights where there was the, that kitchen back where the dance is there mm-hmm. now. That was all offices back there. Mm-hmm. And that's where we would do the fulfillment of uh, Crystal Ball. But I, you know, I knew it was going to be slow go. I, kn- I and, and I was very aware of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was an interesting time. I, like I said, it, it was, it was great because it was, unheard of on that magnitude but i can imagine you know uh i just remember i I was i remember the night i don't know where i was it was something i saw it online that it was sort of like it was in stores and i was like really i was like and i know we were still waiting for it i said let me go on i rode my bike down to (laughs) barnes and nobles and they had it sitting on the side i was like ain't this about a bean but i was like i want i bought it you know i was like yeah i gotta get it but I was like, hey, man, this is, but yeah, it was, uh, that was a remarkable uh, release uh, because just the music was great. Uh, the packaging was cool. And yeah, like you said, the truth, um, Kama Sutra was in some of the copies. Yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing thing. And the fact that he was able to sell those, you know, at the price he wanted to sell them. And it was, to right. me, it was value added. Uh, yeah, it was it was unheard of. You know what was cool about it too that people don't think about, but it, just think about how where we're at today with the way that we receive music. So Crystal Ball was ninety eight, right? Mm, yep. It was a downloadable lyric book. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Remember, yeah, there was right. no lyric book in the Crystal Ball. There was a little bit of you know uh, there was a round, uh, just you know you know insert. But the, if you wanted the lyrics in the book and, you know, the, you know, like you used to have in CDs, you had to download it mm-hmm. on. And that was like first, like, I don't know any. I mean, there might have been some other artists doing that, but to to have your lyric book online for download in 98. Yeah, no, it was it was innovative. I, I'll be, be honest. I was a little hot about that. <laughs> like 
I was like, <laughs> but I, I'm sure you were. I was but like, you're, you know, trying to save money or something. Like, what's going on? See? But I, right? no, it was good. No, I'm not hating. But no, it was innovative for sure. You know, humans are are, are really hard for change. They don't <laughs> like change, right? <laughs> so, but that was the start of the change, and no and doubt. he was at the forefront from that. I thought, you know, yeah. so if you really think about it, I mean, now you know, you don't even think about a lyric or a little. You know, I love. I always loved that. Yeah. I always loved. Uh, albums. I love to be able to read the back of them and the mm-hmm. inserts and all of that kind of stuff and feel it. But I mean, psh, my son, please, he's not even thinking about that stuff. No. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Jackie, um, with the uh, Crystal Ball and the One Eight Hundred New Funk, what happened? If you can talk about it, with the proposed sampler series oh, of CDs. Yeah. You know, that was just something that I don't think ever. I don't know if it ever did after I left, came to, but it didn't happen during, you know, there was always some new, pro- I mean, he had new music coming all the time. So that never came to fruition really. But, uh, um, and I don't know if it did during later on, I'm not sure. So, mm. yeah, I remember that it was going, it was like, this is going to be $777 and 77 cents. And you had a perpetual oh, copyright to use it too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was the biggie. Yeah. Man, they need to put that out right. Ball, it was yours. All right. Well, that, yeah, I remember that was a, that would have been a good one. Um, all right. So, Crystal Ball, and then start to transition into New Power Soul, the album. Right. Yeah. And uh, talk to us a little bit, because and then there was also sort of that came out the same point. This is with uh, Shaka Khan. Larry Graham, GCS 2000. So that was in 98. So it all, and he was recording during that time. So all the studios were going, you know, you'd see him going to see, you know, work with Shaka's album and Larry's album and then the new power soul. So it was really amazing to see all that and Shaka in town and Larry doing his thing and uh, creating. So there was the GCS 2000 release uh, and then there was Come to My House with Shaka, mm. and um, along with the New Power Soul. Um, and so that those were the new, you know, releases that did not have any kind of distribution. I mean, it was literally drop ship. I'd get an order from Target or Best Buy, and I would call our manufacturer, and they would drop ship directly to Target oh, wow. and, that, wow. and all that. So there was no distributor at all. Amazing, and these are like yep. um, these are major artists. <laughs> yeah, know, Shaka Khan, yeah. Larry Graham, and I, and then the Prince album too, right? New Power Soul. Uh, New Power was Soul, a part yeah. of this. That was a good album, actually. I enjoy awesome some of those album. tracks. And you know, it, it gets kind of like a lot of people kind of glaze over '90s, I think, a bit, and I don't know why because there was so much innovation going on, and he had some really cool like. Um, Animal Kingdom and all these neat, tra- mm-hmm. I mean, great tracks. And he was doing some cool stuff. And I like some of the new Power Soul stuff too. I mean, it was funky and a fun album. And um, and then he toured on that with the Jam of the Year. Yeah. A lot of those. So that was always that was always fun. Well, the Jam of the Year tour got here, and he did the not the one he did. Um, come on, place yep. blew up. Yeah, that's the jam. Come on, 
I work with him on that funny video. We did this hilarious video. Come on. Talk about that. Literally, yeah. yeah, it was so it was funny. So we were on tour and he'd have me um, find a video uh, company wherever we're at and use only use beta SP. It wasn't even digital. And we'd shoot wherever we were just like just stuff, you know, B roll. And, uh, one day he said, um, I want to, uh, uh, I want to shoot today, get a, get a, and we didn't even do like, we, we wouldn't go get any, uh, licenses, you know, and really set it up as an actual shoot. We just like, it was like a hit and run. Right. So we're like in the middle of London. I had the beta SP crew, Mike Scott, Marva King, I think, uh, maybe Manuela was there. Um, I don't know who else. Oh, Ron, I don't know. Rhonda. I think Rhonda was there. I can't remember who. And so I, I, I got them there and he pulls up and he's in this old man suit, <laughs> you know, in a total like, you know, disguise, like an old guy. And no one knew it was Prince out there at, uh, you know, at the park. And it was a busy park. It's like right down smack down, dab down in London. And we shot all this stuff. And I, we didn't know what we were just doing, having fun. We didn't know what it was going to be. And um, so when I got back to the States, he asked me to go uh, take everything um, because we had just shot Beautiful Strange uh, or Cafe de Paris mm -hmm. um, gig. And so he wanted me to take all the stuff to L.A. to edit, to get ready to start editing. I hadn't edited before, guys. <laughs> I didn't, you know. So I, he was going to come in and do this. And so I had it just prepped and ready to roll. He calls me and says, um, I'm not going to make it in. Start cutting editing. Mm. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Luckily, I'm creative enough to like, and I have a rhythm, a bit of rhythm. Uh, and I knew about frames and I was always interested in that. So uh, I not only I'm booking like MTV stuff and all that kind of stuff. Right. But now I'm in a re uh, editing bay with an editor and I'm now having to like start editing this like, you know, um, cafe to Perry gig. And wow. so I start doing it and he comes in like a day later or two days later and I'm so nervous. I'm sitting there cause it's, that's not my, my thing. That's not what I do. I can do the other stuff, but I was really nervous. I'm sitting there and he, he says, all right, let me see it. And so the guy pushed his play on the edit and he just kind of, he didn't say anything. He just started doing it. Um, started editing and, in retrospect, later on, I was like, he's teaching me how to do this stuff wow. because I ended up doing a lot of other stuff with him. And he, so I guess, you know, um, I think Morris had said, Morris Hayes had said in uh, the book si signing with Steve Park recently that if, and I think it was Morris, don't quote me, but I think so. He said that um, if you didn't hear anything, then it was okay. You know, mm -hmm. when you, when you heard from him, yeah, it was definitely during Steve and, and uh, Morris bannering back. If you heard from him, you knew you weren't, it wasn't right. If he didn't say anything, you just keep going. And so that he didn't say anything. And he just started editing this this stuff. And, and then he that that same editing bay, we pulled up Come On, all that just, well, we didn't know it was going to be Come On. I didn't know. I, I guess he did. And uh, we pulled up all this just random footage we had shot. And, and it was just to be funny, you know, it was supposed to be a funny, low budget video intentional. And so we did, 
um, in a fire suite we did come on, uh, him and I, it was just him and I in the suite and the editor, obviously. Um, and, uh, and then that it came out, but I always loved come on. I always loved that, that track. So, so the video for come on, that's, that's you and Prince edited that video. Yep. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) I remember when that came on, uh, I I assume it was the debut when they showed it on uh, MTV when he did the interview with Tavis. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. Jackie. That's that's a trip. That is a trip. It was a trip for me. Trust me. I was like, Oh, so that's how it kind of led into the other things. I, um, uh, did, uh, his, uh, rave onto the joy fantastic epk Mm. um and that came about kind of funny but uh um uh you know you might have other things you want to you know talk about no no please go right ahead no 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 no. (laughs) so 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 he calls me in to studio a and he asked he wanted my opinion on this and i was like oh he wants my opinion cool uh i'm like oh so i i go in and uh, he says, um, this is the rave EPK that Arista sent. Can you, you want to take a look at it and let me know what you think? And I, I watched it and I just, he says, I don't like it. I want you to do it. Um, and I said, okay. So I called up Arista and asked them or told them basically, Hey, can you send, um, uh, all the, you know, footage? Uh, he really wants us to do it here. Uh, and, uh, and they said, okay. And so they gave us a new budget and I went in and I cut it myself and, uh, he'd come in and pop in and see it and, uh, and then do final approval obviously. But, um, so that started me on doing EPKs down the line when I, you know, later, but, um, that was the first one. So I, we sent it off to Arista and they really liked it. And, uh, so, so that was really cool, but, but I didn't even know I was going to be doing that in my life. Right. It's wow. like, and that's what Prince was about, you know, like the manifestation of, and, and just like doing it and finding out what you're good at and don't being afraid and trying things. They don't always work out. Yeah. Did crystal ball have some chinks in, in how it was done, but it, we tried it. It was the first to do it. And, um, and that, that's the amazing part about it. Wow. So. Were you also in, had any involvement? Maybe you can shed some light. I remember uh, the video for Greatest Romance, and I remember like there seemed to be something going on where it had to be re-edited or it wasn't done yet or something. I remember. Oh, it wasn't it? Wasn't that? It was Malik Saeed uh, was the uh, um, director. He's amazing. He's a great, amazing cinematographer and director. It was wonderfully shot. But it just was taking long longer uh, to edit, so it was Malik doing it, um, and so it, the, just the timing was off on the release for what Arista had uh, wanted versus when the actual release of the video was completed. So it was just we were waiting for the final edits to come back in the notes. So like Malik would send the edit notes, and then Prince would look at it and then make his notes, and it would go back, and then. And then it finally was approved. So it took a little longer. You know, that process can take a while with videos. And it was such, it was one of my favorites. It's beautifully shot. It's so wonderful. Um, and, um, oh, I, you know, but that threw off the timing of, of the video versus the, the single being released. Okay. So. Yes, I remember he was on, uh, what, what is that MTV show they used to have, like the countdown thing? I can't think of. 
Was it Carson Daly? Uh, was the... video top twenty or top twenty countdown? No, it was the live and studio thing. They had... oh, I know. Yes, I forgot the name. Total of Request guys. is that what it was? Total Request Live. Yes, Total yes. Request. And I remember that Prince was there, and he was like, "I don't think the video was ready or something." I just kind of I'm maybe remembering a little off, but I always wondered what was going on with that. Um, it was just the editing, you know, okay. getting the final, you know, approvals back and forth, and um, it, it wasn't the timing just kind of wasn't in sync with the final uh edit uh, uh from it but it wasn't re-edited it was just more editing or you know yeah. tweaks you know right. so it would go back and forth. um you you mentioned something at the prm uh, alumni thing and i don't know if you could share here but was there something you had you were working with uh, mtv or they were trying to do some type of show with prince or something and they came out to, to record that and and it didn't it went a different direction or something. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll 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 keep that one okay. for the panels. Well, <laughs> that's a hell of a tease. So y'all definitely gotta. I gotta tease. Do a teaser. We gotta keep some for the I panels, man. That's, there you go. So. All right. Um, uh, so we were we were talking about rave. Um, also, yeah. we we have to mention that this was another big thing during this period. The uh, the Millennium New Year's Eve. Ah, uh, yeah. Pay per view. You were working there with that. You were part of that too, right? Oh yeah, definitely part of that. Uh, a lot. Um, and that was um, pretty amazing. I'm, you know, uh, we were working with um, CAA, um, uh, with uh, Reza Azad and um, Al Hassas. They do a lot of st- cool stuff now. Um, but um, they were the you know, producers and, you know, to put that deal together for the pay-per-view. So on demand. And so, um, we shot it, uh, at Paisley, um, and had, you know, Lenny Kravitz, um, Johnny Lang, uh, that young guitarist, Johnny Lang and, uh, George Clinton, um, obviously Larry Graham and, um, just that the whole, I think Maceo and all that. So, you know, we, we did a whole, um, concert shot uh, at Paisley, and so that was real special. And we had an audience, and I still have my ticket. I I, I got metal tickets made. There's only like 500 made, numbered um, in purple and engraved. I had those made for the for people, and we had a lot of stars coming in, and, uh, uh, and that was shot. And so then the, then it was about doing editing. So it was edited actually at Paisley. Mm. Um, he had an editing suite. This was before there were actual editing bays at Paisley. At that point, he was really getting into editing. Mm-hmm. So when I left, I know that they refurbished um, and added, you know, editing bays and things like that. But um, we edited it there uh, with the director. And then, um, and then it was, I mean, literally up until the last moment and – I li- took a uh, a uh, I, w- I had a flight on Northwest. I had already booked to take the master to New York to get it uploaded in time for the um, you know because it has to go satellite. Um, and back then it was slower. You know everything's slower, so it's you know the the technology is so much faster. It wouldn't happen the same. At, you know, but back then I literally had to hand it to them. and They had to upload it to all the satellites, and so. Um, I remember he comes and asks me, he says, well, what would it cost for a private plane? Because we were still literally putting in credits. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, uh, 
and I had to have it there the next morning. And so that was fun. I, I, I took a private jet to New York and handed it to a, to for upload. So that was fun. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, and then, um, and then it was pay-per-view was a uh, pay-per-view 1999 mm-hmm. was the cost and you can, you could watch it and, uh, for the, uh, the, that, uh, I remember watching it with him oh, wow. again over and over. I would like, I hadn't seen it like a hundred times. Right. So uh, more than a hundred times. And, um, so, uh, but he invited me out to, for New Year's Eve, the millennium, you know, 2000. Mm-hmm. So I sat at Paisley and watched the show that I just edited for the last month with him. <laughs> and I was like, can I go get some champagne? I want to go. Ha-. I was like, I'm supposed to go hang with my friends and everything. I'm sitting out there with him watching the show again, uh, you know, ringing in the new year. But no, it was, I mean, I guess I, you know, a lot of people would love that, you know, but when you work for him, you know, like, you know, you want a little time off for yourself. You know? So, but, uh, but that was cool. So, I'm, but I'm glad I did it. So. All right. What were, let me see. What were the happiest or the I don't know the happiest times or the the most proudest moment you had of whatever you you your project you worked there and what was what was one of the most challenging moments if you can well I think the 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 happiest most the proud one was the MPG Dance Company okay. because I was really given no tools um, really uh, to do it I had to do it and craft it and make it mine and when it sold out in Detroit and um, and the show was it went well and we got great reviews and everything was smooth and um, and then um, I was really proud of that because I know how much work I had put into that um, and then to you know my take calls me right after that show and says um, my husband and I would like to invite you to dinner um, I said oh I must have done something right so uh, so I had dinner and Stevie Wonder came in uh, and then there was a jam later. That's another whole story. It was a lot of fun, but that was one of the best times. It was so much fun and I was proud of myself and the work and I was proud of everybody because we worked so hard uh, to make it happen. And um, so that would, that was really cool. Uh, The challenging time would be crystal ball. Mm. Hold up a minute. Let me get this right. You're having dinner with Prince and Maite. Do, 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 do. Stevie Wonder walks in. Yeah. Wow. So, I, let me let me set the stage. So, so we're in a restaurant, you know, private, blocked off. But there's a a bar next to it that is connected. So it's like you know, you eat and you can go and have drinks and listen to a band next next door. So we're next door. There's a bar going on and people are drinking. They don't know we're there. And it was um uh, Maite, Prince, Cat Dyson, Larry Graham, Tony Rich, the keyboard player, and um and then uh his publicist and myself, we were having dinner. And then Stevie then Prince must have invited Stevie. Stevie came in. And then uh, Stevie left and we just finished dinner and everything. And, uh, <laughs> you know where this is going, right? <laughs> so this is the, one of the, the best nights I, I can tell you for me, uh, was Stevie comes back and he's got his harmonica in hand and our, um, I don't know if it was Takumi or someone was over and went over to, uh, the next door bar. 
and there had been a band playing and and so they had asked if uh you know could borrow their equipment so it ended up being um so just imagine you're in the bar it's a long kind of bar it's like probably 100 it's not a big bar so 100 150 people maybe at the most and so we all walk from the the restaurant side over to the bar and walk through so you're just you're sitting there having a drink and you see stevie wonder walk by prince uh larry graham uh tony rich and cat and then uh, our entourage right they get up on stage prince plays the drums tony rich on keys cat dyson on guitar larry graham on bass and stevie wonder sings and plays harmonica bam done my favorite (laughs) okay ever with that it was so amazing and so magical um and so that's i'll never forget that wow yeah yeah, i think you remember that one yeah (laughs) Yeah. amazing Mm -hmm. um if you could what what, uh, how did your time end working there and why well um i it was in 2000 and he had just was turned, he just turned back from being a symbol uh, or not in not having a name to Prince. You know, I was there during that, that transition back just at that point. Um, and I just was ready like to the, this, my spirit and my entrepreneurial spirit. I, I knew that my time would be with him would be a specific time. I wasn't going to, I just didn't want to stay doing one thing all the time. Okay. So I now, you know, was in working. I don't know if he'd fire me or whatever, eventually maybe would have happened, whatever, but I was ready to do some of the stuff for me. Um, if I had stayed much, I wouldn't have had a kid. I wouldn't have been able, you know what I mean? It was like a lot of work. And so I really wanted to, uh, start my own business and and to do some things for me and and that and that was kind of where I was at like I was changing myself and really wanting to uh, branch off and do some other things so so my time that's why I just I chose to 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 leave you know in my learning I really wanted to keep learning about things and I really wasn't learning anything anymore it was just kind of like doing it uh, at that point, up until that point, I had, I was learning everything, you know what I mean? I was learning so much, but at that point in my life, I felt confident in my abilities at that point on pretty much almost all aspects of entertainment and that, and I was really ready to, to, uh, move, do, do my own thing. Okay. So would it be fair to sort of say like, you know, you, you, you came into this and like you say, you were learning a lot of different skills and 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 actually doing a lot of these practice put these things in practice and almost sort of like well i guess you could say you were assisting obviously and helping you even use the word yourself you, know, you were there to serve these situations yeah. um and so it just became a time where you were like okay i've pretty much done everything i can do here now i know keeping it very diplomatic but i don't know if it was a part where I get the impression sometimes you could Prince will have you just doing any you know, all stuff if if you allow yourself to be sort of using these capacities and I don't know was it a time you just like okay I had enough I I'm not saying this in a bad way at all but you just kind of like well, no no I, to I totally me. get that mm-hmm. I mean it, it wasn't in any bad way I I 
respected and, and I always wished him well, whatever he was doing. And even throughout the years, I've always kind of watched and made, you know, it's just neat to see him on, on, you know, when he's at the basketball games, I'd pop in and, and see a show here and there. Um, I had seen a lot of shows, so it was just like once in a while I'd <laughs> pop in and see a show. But, um, but I watched kind of from afar and I just, you know, uh, appreciated him and the opportunity he gave me. But there's a certain point of your life when you're doing it 24-7, you've got to, like, step back and, and say, is this, you know, uh, going to work for you? And for me, it was time for me to move on and do something different. All right. I heard I saw a quote that I think may, may fit this almost. It's uh you have to hold the crown before you can wear it. And here you are assisting, assisting him, this prince. And now, as you said, it's time to do your business. Now, I'm a, now I can have my crown. Now I'm about to be the king of my domain and, and go on and do my thing. I've served, understood what it takes, and boom. Okay, now I'm ready for the next journey. What, what, yeah. did, what did you, uh, so where did you go after the, what was the next thing after uh, the Paisley Park experience for you. Yeah, well, I started because of those video uh, editing and creative side. Um, I was asked by Arista Records. Uh, they wanted to hire me uh, and um, uh, to move to New York. They wanted me to move and uh, work in their creative department um, at Arista Records. And um, I ultimately turned them down. Um, and I'm actually really glad I did. Uh because, you know, a couple of years later, Arista folded, but, um, but it was a real honor. And what I did do is say, I went in and I entertained it. I thought about it and living in New York city in Manhattan, um, wasn't for me. Um, it's a wonderful city. Don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't, I, I grew up in the Midwest and it was just, I think the energy would have been too much for, I, I had a house and I, you know, deer would go in my backyard and I just thought about all those things and I just said, yeah, you know, um, and even though the pay was really well, it was really, really expensive in, you know, downtown, you know, Manhattan. Mm. So I, I weighed that out and I said to him, you know, guys, I really appreciate it, but why don't you just hire me independently? Uh, and they said, okay. So I got hired by Arista independently and I, you know, started my own company. And uh, they would give me a budget and I would go and I would produce these EPKs and different things for them. So I did um, uh, some commercials for them. Uh, I did the Platinum Collection uh, where uh, it was there. It was a compilation CD that was coming out with um, all these different platinum artists. They were all platinum on, on, on this uh, collection. So um, Tony Braxton and all those type of people were on it. So I, they'd send me all this, uh, material and they'd give me a script of what they wanted and I would get it done for them. Um, and, uh, and then they asked me, do I want to do an EPK? And I did my first EPK with them was with Funk Master Flex. So I went into, they hired me and I went into New York and shot Funk Ma uh, Master Flex and, and those guys. And then I cut it and, uh, Clive loved it. He loved what I was doing. Uh, and so they hired me again. And I, the next one I got was um, 
outcast um they hired they hired me to do stankonia so um mm-hmm. that was before it was a hit i didn't no one even heard stankonia so i got all the music stankonia music in advance and um i um, they gave me a budget and i flew down to Atlanta to their studios and interviewed them and mm. um and uh and then came up and edited it for for the release of stankonia so that epk i i, I did that wow. and then um i did shaka khan and a few other uh she wasn't on Arista, but I I was asked to do that with Sony and stuff like that. So I, that was one of my threads of my business that I didn't even know I was going to have going into, you know, huh, do I want to do 1-800-NEW-FUNK, right? Mm-hmm. So you never know when your life, when you choose and you uh, choose a direction, you never know where you're going to go in a way. You know, you think you know, uh, and then here we are, you know, doing, I'm sitting there doing a EPK for you know, outcast. The stank on the yeah. express. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I had a great time and those guys were great. Um, and, uh, Erica Badu was there and it was so funny. I had met her before and she was in the studio, but she always had her hair wrapped up and I never seen her hair down and I'm busy waiting and I'm focused on getting ready to interview, um, Dre and, um, big boy. Um, is it big boy? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, waiting there and I'm just really focused on getting that all set up and everything. And she comes in and says, hi. And I say hi to her and everything. And I don't, I'm just like, keep going, doing my thing. And, uh, the camera guy, he goes, that was Erica Badu. And I was like, Oh yeah. She had her hair down and it was all dreads. And I didn't, I didn't even, you know, um, but it was fun. So I was interviewing those guys and behind me, she's in the recording studio and, uh, in the booth and she's making all these faces I didn't know behind me to to make them laugh and mess up on their interview. It was it was classic. It was, it was wow. very, very, very cool. It's nice. Yeah. So. That's so odd because I was just listening to that album yesterday. Yeah. Freaky. Yeah. That's great. I heard when I first heard it when they sent it to me uh, in advance. I said, "Oh my God, this is going to be massive. Mm. This is going to be massive." And it, and it was. It was. Wow. Wow. So, and then I also see, I don't know if this comes, if this was earlier or later, but you did some work with uh, Men Condition as well? I did. I Well, you know, it's after. Um, I, you know, it had, I actually, after that, um, they were with Sony and they were working on their album and I'm, I'm friends with those guys and I said, hey, you know, what if you pair up and do a track or two with Outkast? Mm. And so they said, and I just done that with them. And so I called down and they said, yeah, let's, you know, see, see what we can do. Um, and so I got, uh, those guys, uh, down in the studio in Atlanta with, uh, you know, their, um, production team. And there's a couple tracks they did together. I, you know, um, but n- they never came out. I, I was about why. to say, but, wow. So, so the, but I just thought it would be a really great connection, you know, like that collaborative effort, you know, with yeah. real great musicians and, and what they were doing and kind of that teaming, teaming up, uh, I thought was a, a, a neat connection. So, but I know Stokely and those guys for uh, a long time, they're wonderful guys. And so just helped a little bit with them and did some consulting for a bit. Man, that was a, so the dungeon family main condition songs they, they got sitting in the box yeah it was uh yeah what i, I think it was dungeon it was the production uh-huh 
yeah, the team, they were there in the studio um, in, in Atlanta. It used to be Bobby Brown's studio, that the studio that they had, mm. uh, and, okay. and they bought from Bobby Brown. Wow. All right. It's a cool studio. Yeah. So. And then also, uh, you know, we have to mention Mr. Carlos Santana. Now you're yes. talking my language. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, wonderful. Wonderful. I've, I've just been, guys, so blessed. I can't even tell you. I um, I became, we're still great friends to this day. Um, Rita Gentry is um, was uh, Carlos's personal assistant. And so Prince, I met Carlos through, obviously, Prince. And I would call uh, Rita up to get them connected wherever they were in the world, if they were going to do some stuff or whatever, or if Carlos wanted to talk to Prince or Prince wanted to talk to Carlos. And so I became friends with Rita. And when I left Minneapolis and moved to LA, I started working up in the Bay area with some different producers and I really fell in love with the Bay area. Um, and, um, that's actually where my son was born, um, up in uh, Marin County. But, um, so uh, Rita got me into the fold with Carlos basically. And he was doing a really cool multimedia. Um, he had a concept for a all good channel, everything 24 hour channel of just like good news. And, um, and it was just really a, a neat concept. It was called architects of a new dawn. So Carlos, Carlos is on that, you know, real high, uh, mental level, um, and a different plane like Prince, you know, so their thinking and their thought process and everything was just always amazing to me and resonated with me. And Carlos was felt the same. Um, and he really wanted to create this, this network. So we started cutting and I was working for a company that, um, was based where star Wars, uh, it was called, uh, uh Kerner optics and it was a, um, it's where all the star Wars were shot and, um, all the, the miniatures were shot and where the original star Wars was shot. I was on the, on, on that, 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 uh, um, place. And so we worked with Carlos and shot this really cool thing called architects of new dawn. And it didn't pop off. Um, it, it was ahead of its time. And now with the type of technology, cause that was in, uh, when was it? 2000 and, uh, seven, eight, somewhere around that area, or six or seven, we were doing that. And so, um, so we were shooting that and, uh, I was working with him, uh, and that, that project, it was really a, a neat project. It's really high meant, you know, just really kind of a conscious, positive, good love, um, and bringing the, that, all people are all connected in that way. And mm -hmm. if we bring that conscious up, you know, with a deep rock Chopra and the, the, that, that idea, um, and really start to have media that's a positive media. And instead of always this negative media that we're, we're mm -hmm. just bombarded with all the time, mm -hmm. that was his, his thought. Um, and I, I, I love that. And so, um, I moved back down to LA and I had done a project back in Minneapolis called uh, you have the right where I had kids 
uh, with Verizon Wireless was an underwriter, and um, I had kids from a school, uh, TC Ellis's school, mm-hmm. uh, HSRA. I had them uh, record and um, uh, do uh, music that's about healthy and unhealthy relationships. That was the initiative, you know, really kind of getting teens aware of that. And during that time, so they Verizon had called me back and said, "Hey, we want to do a new project with you," um, and. Uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I've been thinking about doing, you know, kids uh, around the country. They write a track, you know, let's get seven kids um, from around the country to write about unhealthy and healthy relationships. Let's um, do a a voting, you know, the public can vote for their favorite song and whoever uh, wins that, that competition gets the opportunity to, uh, uh, write a song with uh, Salvador Santana, which is um, Carlos's son, who's mm-hmm. a really great songwriter. And then um, Santana would play guitar on on the track that they they would be on. Nice. And so that happened. And so we didn't. I, I went up. I flew up. Uh, I didn't know if Carlos would be into it, but I literally just flew up from L.A. took it took a shot at it. I didn't know if he was even in, in town, but I was going to have lunch with the management, and he ha- I was going to pitch the idea to the management. And Carlos comes walking and he's like, Jackie. And I was like, Carlos. And so we started talking and I just said, well, here's my opportunity. I'm going to just ask him if he wants to do it. And I did. And he said he would. And so Mm. we, we did that project. And then, um, a woman, a young girl won, she was 16 one. And then I flew her out and they did Skype sessions with San, um, um, Salvador Santana, uh, uh, to write the track. And then we, um, uh, Carlos was in Vegas doing his uh, stint there, um, and then I booked a studio there, and he came in and played guitar on it with. Um, uh, and Cindy Blackman was there and all that, and uh, I had F Sheen shoot it, F Sheen Shaheen, yeah. uh, and uh, so that was real cool. So that wow. was a project I did for that with Verizon. All right, and then uh, currently right now, again, uh, I'm loving this entrepreneurial. You know, I'm not doing business. Nah, this is what we need to hear. You have you have a Revel Spirits Inc. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it it, so about in 2012, um, business partner and I, we just wanted to really start a um, start. Felt like not pitching brands anymore and actually become a brand. Mm. Um, And didn't know what that brand was going to be, but really wanted to kind of move into a different, different space and just kind of put on my marketing hat and branding and, you know, kind of that entrepreneurial thing and do something different than music and entertainment. And, um, he was out at a bar and bumped into a guy who had a boutique tequila company. And, uh, the guy asked us basically if we wanted to help, you know, market it and help him. We started to do that and we got really passionate about Mexico and about agave spirits and all the really amazing spirits down there uh, that, you know, from mezcals and tequilas and agaves and all these different type of uh, agave uh, plants. And I went, we went down to the farms. Um, my business partner went first, brought back some stuff and um, we would taste it and try it. And we found an area in Mexico we really wanted to do it, which was outside of the tequila region called uh, in the Morelos state, which is um, the where it was actually hit by the earthquake uh, really hard this last week, week and a half ago. But that's where our farms are. Um, 
thank God everybody's okay, but you know, it's devastating down there, you know, right now, all, all around the world right now, it seems. But, um, but anyway, that's where it started. And we, we decided to create our own brand and, uh, the name revel, um, brought, popped in my head, you know, uh, to celebrate life, um, and spirits and a play on, you know, alcohol spirits, but also your spirit inside of you. So celebrate your spirit, revel spirits, Inc., okay. And, um, and then, uh, we've been, uh, working on, uh, and just launching right now, actually, uh, we did our alpha stage and we're in, um, Minnesota and also in California right now, uh, launching to retail. So nice. All right. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to try, try some of that. Uh, it was very good. I'm not the super drinker, but I was like, Whoa, okay. Woo! <laughs> yeah. No, you don't have to be. This is really a high end. It's really a sipping. It's not like you know a shot. It's the higher stuff. It's the, you know, way way it was before they started putting glucose and sugars in the tequilas. And <laughs> that's actually what makes you sick more than anything else. Mm. The lower rung tequilas. Right. Um, when it when it's a hundred percent pure, you don't get that. So we're really excited about that. It's a. Nice. Um, an opportunity for me to spread my wings on branding and, and operations and all the things that I've learned over the years and wow. thanking Prince for, you know, making me dive off the deep end and, and with no fear and trying it. Mm. You know, that's one thing I, I loved about him. He always, he, no fear, regardless if you, it's successful every time, it's not going to be, but mm. you gotta, you gotta do it and you gotta try it. And so that's what I've, I've always taken from him and I've always thought of him when i when i do these new adventures <laughs> all right uh big sexy before we before we uh, get up out of here do you have any other questions for jackie yeah yeah um going back to the tequila it, it sounds fam not familiar but it reminds me of when sammy hagar did his cabo wabo about god like 10 years ago you know you just go to a company you you dig what they're doing and you dig it so much, you want to become a part of it, and you help to get it out there, which was great. Did you, like, I don't say follow, but did you look at what they were doing over at Cabo, or you just went your own way? Well, I mean, obviously, you do your research on, you know, what things worked well and what things didn't. And obviously, for uh, Sammy, he was uh, a leader uh, in that, and that went well for him. Uh, he ended up selling it for uh, part of his uh company after five years for 80 million and then another uh total of 120 a uh, few years after that so that was like kind of the benchmark of where it was kind of moving towards our our, our um, category is really booming right now and obviously with that billion dollar deal that george clooney just did obviously it's george clooney and randy gerber so you know you're gonna you know obviously that's the reason why and their ip is very Hi, but um, but that's the kind of the trending that's happening. And so, yeah, you want to hmm. look at everything, what people do right, what people don't do well, because you learn from, uh, you know, mistakes. I mean, that's how I learn when when mistakes, I, I, all my learning happened when I made mistakes or and still do, you know, and hopefully then you learn from those mistakes and don't do them again. So if you can like look at the, the things that are going well and, and, and then kind of break that down and figure out why they're doing well and then why that didn't do so well. Hopefully you can, you know, balance that. Wow. Wow. Man, I didn't know about the cloning. I didn't know it was that kind of, 
kind of money going on? I, 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 I remember oh, was the Ice Cube St. Ides deal back in the day, but I that was, <laughs> <laughs> that's the ignorant summary. This but. way, with um, with um, uh, Puffy Ciroc, yes. he makes most of his money now. His serious fortune is in the in the vodka. Mm. Ciroc and boys. So, yeah. And so, so some spirits, if they're good and they do well, you know, you can do well. Wow. All right. So we'll see. <laughs> St. Ives. Hey, man. <laughs> that was back in the day. Wow. Anyway, stay focused. All right, Jackie. Ah, thank you so much for sharing this story. This this is uh, with a lot of Prince stories. You always hear there's a couple things you, you hear is he'll ask you to do something you may not be all the way clear on or may not have been your skill set. But it's the people who said yes, and they jumped in, as you say, without any fear, and went on to do great things. And and uh, I, to me, that's a great. I love that. You know, it just shows that you were prepared for it. You know, you talked about your parents being in a band. Yeah, business savvy. Boom! You got put in a. You got into a situation. You asked your mom, "Should I get into this?" You know, it kind of remind me of when Kim Barry when she said, "Did I go work for?" Yep, go on and do it. You know, you got you work with a guy like Prince who was like, "Yo, let's it's it's on showtime. I need this done, da, da, da. and you you answer the call and go on. It, it's a beautiful thing. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Appreciate uh, it. I appreciate the opportunity to even be be part of that. I, I don't know if I necessarily did it good all the time, but I tried my best. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. And you just keep moving forward. You know, I don't profess to be anything other than just working hard and trying to make it happen and and try to create solutions. You know, if it's, it's not a no, it's just, how do you craft it to make it work? You know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but I appreciate you guys on the show and, um, and, and actually interested in, in, in my story. I, I appreciate that. I, you know, you sometimes don't think of yourself in that way, you know, uh-huh. uh, when you when you're just doing it, you know, you're just doing it. So we learning from you. Trust me, there's people that's listening to this and they're getting a lot of game and a lot of oh, man, she her story sound like mine. Look how she did it. Yeah. OK, you know, let me get some good stuff. So now thank you. Where can people if they want to uh, reach out online, how can they find you and, and even get more information about uh, Rebel Spirits? Well, there is um, the Facebook Rebel Spirits um, on Facebook, but you can also go to our site, Rebel Spirits, Inc. Uh, actually, I don't think it's Inc. It's just rebelspirits.com, uh, and uh, it t- tells about our our company, and you can connect that way and where we're at. All right. And also, too, people want to get in touch with uh, the PRN alumni. Where can they go for that? Yeah, um, there, there's the Facebook uh, page for sure, and also prnalumni.org. Uh, you can hit us up that way as well. All righty. Thank you again, Jackie. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it, Michael. <laughs> Thanks, Big Sexy. I love to say Big Sexy. I love it. <laughs> and Big Sexy. Sir, where can they find you online? Well, I can be found over at uh, Twitter under WSE Mark. And over on Facebook, waiting for a confirmation from a, from a new friend request, <clears throat> under my normal name of Mark Wiggins. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you caught that. You caught yeah, that. 
Well, I got to tell you guys just real quick before you get off, man. I have had a lot of, and I didn't expect this, um, but a lot of friend requests have been coming in ever since, you know, since we created the PRN Alumni mm. Foundation, and it's just really cool and the love and everything. So I apologize, man. I got to I gotta go down and, and, and hit some of these uh, friend requests. <laughs> Hilarious, hilarious. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to that point in the show. Listen, before we get out of here, a few things. If you haven't already, please check out uh, Prince Podcast on YouTube. Uh, we've uh, we set up camp over there on YouTube and uh, definitely been blessed with uh, the responses. So if you haven't already, if you didn't know, definitely go and find us on there. Hit that subscribe button and, uh, you know, we're going to bring some content over there for you guys as well. Also, a big shout out and thank you to our Patreon family. Uh, thank you guys so much for supporting this show, making things happen. We've passed our threshold that we had uh, and we're going to set another one. And we're just going to keep growing and keep, you know, serving and, and doing this thing for you guys. Also, shout out to all of our um, other uh, partners out there, Paisley Five and Dime. Uh, and shout out to all the other podcasts. You have to check them all out. Funkinberry, uh, Peach and Black. Uh, also, shout out to the Velvet Reality. Um, check those guys out on YouTube. And, and if I'm missing some of them, it's just because I'm doing this on the top of my head. But definitely, we support everybody out here that's a Prince fan. All the different groups. Uh, Purple Underground, right? Uh, people at Paisley Park. Uh, uh, the Purple Army. Uh, so yeah, definitely check everybody out, man. We're all in this together. Uh, so you know what I say at the end of the show, work it like a job. And we, of course, we're going to keep working over here and we'll see you next time. Peace.